2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. As I read it, you can read along in your heart, and uh, we will expound upon what God has shown me to share. I've shared this message about a month ago at our church, and I just, it just came to my heart again, so I wanted to encourage and give us hope again this morning. You know, it's interesting, I was just thinking, well, what's been going on in this world? You know, what's been going on, and uh, what was it from here, about 60 miles 60 miles north, and uh, what's, what we've been watching on television, or maybe not watching, but it's crazy out there, man. It's crazy out in those doors right there. But, but hopefully, again, this will give us hope that we're pilgrims. We're pilgrims here. We're not hobos. We're pilgrims. And I'll explain that in a minute. But verse 1, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with other habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, and I love this, but what? Further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a, as a guarantee. So, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are what? Absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And therefore, here it is, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, which is an interesting wording there that Paul uses, to be well pleasing to him. Father, we thank you, God, for this time that we have, Lord, in worship, God. And preparing our hearts and our minds, Lord, for preparing ourselves for your precious word. And I thank you for this opportunity, God, of opening the Bible. Now, would you please open us up, God? Would you give us ears to hear what your Holy Spirit has to say to us today? Go beyond my notes, Father, and thank you for study time. But go beyond those, God, what man can share. For we come here to hear from you. We want to hear from you, Lord. Speak to us. For some, it may not even be anything that I say, God. It may not even be the subject or the points that I bring out. But God, it is, you want to speak to us. And you speak to us right where we're at. And so that's what our, our hope is. My prayer is, God, this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. So we are studying through the book of Corinthians, 1st and 2nd. We've we finished 1st. We're in the 6th uh, chapter of Corinthians there at Calvary. We're, we're, uh, I'm blessed to, to lead. And uh, we, we kind of understand what's going on there in the church. Corinth had ears uh, for a different gospel by this time. Paul had been investing there for three years. 
And then he takes off to go and, and plant other churches and to minister to other people. But then he's hearing that some invaders, if you would, some people have come into the church and started to change these people, started to bring a different gospel, started to bring things against Paul. And uh, Paul's saying, what's going on here? What's happening? I can't believe it. And so Paul's addressing this. They, were, they, were, they had ears for a different gospel. And when I say that, it was, it was, oh, they came with Jesus, but it was Jesus and. Jesus and. And let me give you a warning. Anytime anybody comes knocking on your door, driving up on a bicycle, or meets you out in the street and says, yes, yeah, Jesus and. Say, no, no, ain't no and in it. It's just Jesus, amen? It's just Jesus. They were embracing what the main thing, what they were embracing was legalism. These cats were trying to bring them back under bondage, under something that not even the Jews could fulfill. Not even the Jews could completely accomplish. They were trying to bring them back under legalism, guys. Listen, legalism only puts a ball and chain on our walk with the Lord. Paul's reminding the church at Corinth of the future that we have. This, this glorious eternal blessing awaiting us in heaven and these glorified bodies that God has promised us. And let me tell you, when you read about it, when, when we just read it, it should have brought joy to you. It should have brought uh, an expected hope, a glorious hope from what's going on with us today in this world and in our lives. Legalism keeps us on a horizontal trajectory. We stop looking up. We stop looking to where our salvation comes because we feel like God is not satisfied with us, that he's not happy with us. Those are words that you've got to captivate. Those are thoughts you've got to captivate. God loves you more than he's ever loved you, ever. He's proved it on the cross for us. They were forgetting their salvation. They were, they were forgetting how much God loves them. And let me tell you, there is no joy in that. What kind of hope is in that? A, 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 a walk of do's and don'ts rather than a walk of grace. So they got deeper or started going deeper into works, deeper into legalistic practices, Wanting to please God when it was Christ, his son, who pleased him. Christ was the body, as Hebrew tells us, the book of Hebrews tells us, that God required. Yet, here, they're getting involved and putting the chains back on. And turning their back on the cross. And putting themselves under bondage again, rather than the freedom that they have in Christ Jesus alone. And so we keep, and we must keep looking up, guys. We cannot forget that our direction in this life as pilgrims is to look up and know who our identity, who we are, and, and who we identify with. The loving, precious Lord Jesus Christ. We, we must keep looking up for that glorious day and to hear our Savior say, well done, well done, well done. And so this chapter here is just a continuance of thought and subject, of course, from chapter 4, as Paul has been giving the church at Corinth reasons why he does not lose heart 
Because this is what was happening. These folks were coming in. They were invading the church with a different gospel, a different message. And the folks were starting to lose heart, starting to lose hope. And Paul says, no, you can't lose heart. You must continue in your walk. And Paul is giving them a reason why he hasn't lost heart. I mean, if anybody, we would give Paul, uh, okay, Paul, we're going to let you lose heart. Because throw the towel in, bro, because look what you've gone through, man. Just read the writings of Paul. And he was always ashamed to tell them, but he always had to remind them, I was beaten, I was shipwrecked, rejected by my own people. I like calling Paul lumpy. Homeboy was stoned all the time. Not, not high, not high stoned, but I mean, the dude was always getting beat up, man. Paul, go ahead. We're going to let you give up. We're just going. No, Paul says, no, I want to tell you. I want you to know, man, what keeps me going. What keeps me going on in my ministry for the Lord? Because Paul knew he had a secured future after his life, and that is of eternal life. But he wasn't just going to sit around and twiddle my thumbs. Come, rapture, come. Rapture, come. No, Paul wasn't like that. Paul says, let me share with you, man. Let me remind you, as I have, of what keeps me going. No, Paul could sing that great song. Some bright morning. Homeboy, get, get over here on the, on the organ. No, just kidding. <laughs> when this life is over, I'll what? People think we're weird. People think we're, Paul even would say that. You know, they think we're out of our mind. We're beside yourself. To that home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Well, allow Paul to sing that song. It's an old song, but it's a wonderful song about a doctor name. Guys, the body may be beaten and worn out. It might sigh or groan, but a better dwelling place is ahead. Look at each other. We don't look like much, do we? Some of you have had a very bad week. Some of you have had a bad month. I'm not pointing out anybody, but, but you know what? We can look in each other's eyes and say, we made it one more day. One more day we made it. By the grace of God, we made it. This is not my home. My home is in heaven. Amen. Oh, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is it? I hope it is. We'll give you that opportunity before we leave today for you to make a decision for Jesus Christ if you haven't already. But it's like what McDonald said. Not, not McDonald, not Ronald McDonald, but William McDonald, an old commentary commentator of the Bible. He said this, in this section, we have one of the greatest unfoldings of death in all the Word of God and the Christian's relationship to it. So I hope you'll be blessed. So Paul speaks of what lays ahead, the reason for his determination in serving and sharing the gospel in the midst of adversity. And if you feel spent and emptied, then, then those you serve will be full. If you have spent and emptied yourself this week in service for the Lord, please know that those that you have been serving will be full. And our Lord will plenish us, and we then shall repeat the process, for we all are called to ministry. And this was Paul's thought process. This is what he believed. I'll be spent for the Lord, and then I'll get up, and I'll go do it again, and I'll serve God, and I'll serve the Lord, and I'll raise my kids, and I'll work for in my marriage, and it'll be all for your glory, God all for your precious glory. So let's, 
Let's expound. We're Calvary. This is what we do. This is how we've been raised. So we begin with verse 1, and it says, For we, that is the saved, for we the saved know. Now let's just stop right there. Oh, there's Calvary Chapel. Stopping right there. I want to look at that word know, K-N-O-W. K-N-O-W, man, that's not a radio station. What that is, is in the original language, is I-D-O, Edo. And that word does mean knowledge. But it speaks of a revelation knowledge. Listen, something that is imparted to us that usually comes before experience, before gnosko, before the actual experience even takes place. It's Edo, guys. It's, it's, it's this knowledge is based on faith. Not what we think or by chance, but what Christians know and believe from the word of God. From God's word. From our time in prayer as God speaks to us through his word. It's, it's what we know in many cases without yet experiencing it. It's faith. How many of you seen Jesus Christ personally? And yet, why are we here? Why are we gathered here? Because we know. I can't really explain it. Sometimes don't really understand it. But we know, right? We know. And this is what that word is. It's we know. In context, what awaits us before our last breath upon the earth. And what Paul's subject is here in using it. Paul used it in Romans 8.28, for we what? For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, those who are called to his birth. It's the same word, Edo. We know. We know. We know what? We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, you know, you read Paul, he loves to use metaphors. Is that a good word? He loves to use uh, What's another word? Metaphors, similes, things like that. I don't know. I I like the dictionary. If I don't have one before me, I'm in trouble. But Paul uses two metaphors here to help us think rightly of our bodies. And he calls it a tent. And we know that Paul was in the... He, he worked in tent making. Paul was a tent maker. That's how he, he was able to, uh, you know, get his way through ministry. That was how he was able to make money so he wouldn't be a burden upon the people. And so he was a tent maker. And so here's this tent maker realizing that he can preach this sermon or write it to the people at Corinth, utilizing these metaphors so they can understand it. He calls the tent an earthly house. He says it's a temporary dwelling. It's a transient house that we live in. I mean, in the military, I've been in transient barracks. It's not very comfortable, is it? You can't wait till you get your assignment to your, to your, to your company or to, for me, it was the squadron, squadron's barracks. But yet when you check in on base, you're usually in a transient situation, and they put you in these transient barracks that are lousy, Cold, you know, it's got a bed, barely, and, uh, but you're just waiting to get through with the processing in order to get back into your unit. It's a transient housing. It's temporary. It is an earth dwelling, though. And he's speaking of our body. He's speaking of this skin suit 
You know, one pastor says, we're astronauts on this earth, you know. We're not here, you know, we're only here for a while. He's, he's, he's speaking of the body that contains our soul and our spirit. He's speaking of a tent. And you think about it, when you go camping, the excitement of the outdoors, the excitement of fishing and swimming and barbecuing, well, it all comes to a halt when it's time to sleep in the, in the tent. I might be okay for a day or two, but you begin to look forward to hot showers, don't you? Nowadays, you have camping areas that have hot showers and everything. But anyway, let's just think back to the old days. You, 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 you're looking forward to clean clothes. You're looking forward to sleeping in your own bed, in your own house. So too with our earthly bodies. As they take a toll, we begin to think of eternal things, of death and of heaven. I had a titled this for our church, It's a Matter of Death and Life. But then I retitled it for this morning as the Sermon of Hope and Encouragement. I hope that's what this, you come away with this. God's creation, God's plan from the beginning was designed with eternal life. God designed creation with eternal life in view which is why he planted the tree of life in the midst of the garden. But then came sin, and then came death. But his plan of eternal life was revised through his redemption plan for man that would eventually lead to and fulfilled by his son's death upon the cross. So he had a plan for us. He saved us. He saved us through our ancestors' failure to obey there in the garden. So he always had a a plan of eternal life. He always had this eternal life uh, plan placed upon and in our hearts and our minds, at least in the first couple. And although they blew it, he revised it. And it would have been revised through his son, the seed of the woman. It's interesting when you start to study that. And so Paul goes on, if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed... That means to separate what has been joined together. Paul speaking again about death. When our soul and spirit is separated from the body, the word picture here being separated, again, he's thinking of his craft. He's speaking of when a tent is, took, brought, took, is, is set up. Now he's thinking about when a tent is taken down. And that's exactly what that word can be uh, explained, being taken down as in a tent. He's speaking now of death. And in 2 Timothy 4, 6, which was Paul's final letter, also used a word picture of death before he was executed, wrote and told his protege, Timothy, that the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knew his time was limited. He knew that there in the maritime prison, that it was uh, time for him soon, soon to die. But he used that word departure of speaking of death. And again, that word departure means breaking camp. He says, we're breaking camp. In other words, we're, we're leaving this campsite for another campsite or for home. We're taking down the tent because we're going home to the hot showers. We're going home to the good food. We're going home to 
to sleep in our own bed. So he uses this word. It's interesting that when death comes, our tent, that is our human body, will be laid aside while our spirit moves into a different residence. Paul goes on to speak of that other residence. He says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. Underline that in your Bible. It's okay to write in your Bible, by the way. Not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, a dwelling place, a house. He says, not made with hands. The word is unmanufactured. This word was first used in Mark, Christ, uh, uh, concerning Jesus Christ. First used in Mark 14, the 58th verse, where we, we, we were the... Uh, the enemies of Christ were saying, we heard him, Jesus, say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. There's our word, without hands. Which was right information that they were speaking on here, on our Lord, but with wrong implication. For John, in John 2.21, explains to us what Jesus actually said Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. The temple made without hands was the Lord's glorified, resurrected body. Now, we know that. But we know they, they turned his words around. They were trying to make him, uh, make him look bad. They were, but, but it was the body, not made with hands, not manufactured, the glorified, resurrected body that came about after the third day after death. That glorious new body which is to come for us as well. One day we will have that body. Paul is encouraging the church with that. And so he says in verse 2, For in this what we know of death and eternal life. What he just spoke about. Death, eternal life. We groan. That's an inward sigh. A sign inwardly, earnestly desiring, longing. Can, can, you, can you say that of yourself? Longing to be clothed with our habitation. Now, let me just be honest with you. I've got grandkids, and I've got a wife, and I've got family. and I, got, I, I long for heaven, but I'm, while I'm on earth, I'm enjoying my family. I'm being blessed with being amongst believers and and, and, and so, you know, I'm just going to be honest with you, you know. Yeah, some days, Lord, come quickly. Amen? Yeah. And other doors, Lord, if you can just tarry a little bit, you know, because I want to see, wanna see my, my grandson graduate. I want to see, you know, I want to see them play their game. I want, you know, it just, you just excite me, you know, you just get excited of being with family. You get excited of being around people. But really, guys, we, we can't hold on to earth too tightly. We can't hold on to things too tightly. So longing to be clothed with our habitation, our resurrected body like Jesus' body. We long for that. A place where there will be no more sickness and no more death and no more corruption. No more pain. Our resurrected body like the body of the Lord, which is from heaven. Paul stated it another way in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, 43, the body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. 
It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown the natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body that is buried. There is a spiritual body awaiting. That's the way Paul wrote it. That's the way Paul explained it. He loves speaking. You know, it's weird. Not weird, but he always loves speaking and encouraging us about death and life, eternal life. He, he, he reminds this church, you guys are being led into things that only are, are strongholds for this earth, things that mean nothing. You're embracing another gospel, a gospel that's all earthly. You're holding on to legalism and trying to make yourself look good when you can't even do that. No works will ever, you know, uh, uh, bring you closer or more loving to God. No, no, no works if you have that mindset. Now, we're not saved by works, but we are saved for works. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the power of God himself. Not in our own strength. He says, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. That is, the believer's hope. That we have a hope after life here. That we will not be found naked. Now, if I may illustrate this or, or bring a, a, a sobering thought here. The souls of those who refuse to believe Christ as Savior don't have this promise. At death, they are sent to Hades, a holding tank we can save for the lost, until the final judgment, Revelation tells us that. Until that time, they are naked, if I may say. They are disembodied souls. They shall be found naked. They are awaiting the final judgment. We, however, have that hope. We know, if indeed having been clothed, we should not be found naked. Paul's heavy here, isn't he? It's a heavy stuff, man. For we who are in this tent groan, he says. Now, as we walk by faith, as we walk with the Lord, through the years we do begin to literally groan, having a heavenly homesickness as our bodies wear and tear, getting up in the morning sometimes now, when you get, like me, almost in my 60s. I know I look good. <laughs> this is just highlights. <laughs> this is raising teenagers. That's what this is. <laughs> I had hair. I used to go. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, we groan, right? Oh, oh, you know. I was reminded of... Uh, young man who saw an elderly couple sitting down to lunch at McDonald's. And he noticed that they had ordered one meal and an extra drink cup. And as he watched the gentleman carefully divide the hamburger in half and then counted out the fries, one for him and one for her, he's just tripping out. He's looking at this young couple until each of them had half of them. And then he poured half of the soft drink into the extra cup and and set that in front of his wife. And then the old man began to eat. And his wife sat watching with her hands folded in her lap. The young man decided to ask if they would allow him to purchase another meal for them. He felt bad, you know. Can I, can I purchase another meal for you? 
so that you don't have to split? And the old gentleman said, oh, no, we have been married 50 years, and everything has always been and will always be shared, 50-50. young man then asked the wife if she was going to eat, and she replied, it's his turn with the teeth. 50 50 50 50 50 you talking about groaning you talking about homesickness lord take me home quickly it's bad enough you can only buy one happy meal then now you got to split it you got to share teeth I don't know if that works, but it, it breaks it up a little bit, you know. It's, it's kind of getting kind of heavy in here with Paul's writings, but, but we do groan in this tent. We, we, we do look heavenly work. We, 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 we do sometimes. Let's, let's, uh, let's face it. We ask God, come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. He, gets, he says, he goes on, Paul goes on and says, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. Man, I just love that. Further clothed, God. Further clothed, Lord. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Paul groans from personal genosco. Paul groans from personal experience. See, what are you talking about? Well, you remember that... that uh, Time when 2 Corinthians 12 tells us that Paul said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to where? The third heaven. That's actually the heavenlies where, where God abodes, the third heaven. Paul says, I really can't explain it. I, I, I don't really know a whole lot, of, but I know. Being caught up to the third heaven, he says. He would go on to say in verse 4 how he was caught up into paradise and he heard inexpressible words which, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Many believe this was a time where Paul was being stoned to, well, the, actually they, they looked upon Paul, the people then, and thought he was dead. He was stoned to death, but then his life came back into him. And, and many scholars believe when Paul wrote this, this is the incident, this is the time when Paul actually went to the third heaven. But he was so humble that he, he himself could not even express. He couldn't write. He couldn't even, didn't feel it was even, you know, credible or right to even write down what he, what he saw and what he heard. You know, it's funny. You see these books today, you know, where, where these people are so, you know, they're, they're, they're writing books of, uh, to heaven and back and things like that. And I'm not saying that there aren't all those experiences, but... Many of these people come back and say, well, all roads lead to heaven, so go for it, man. Don't worry about it. Or, or I saw this light, and the light said, Jesus is not the way. It's, he's one of the ways. Or, you know, then you know it's not right. They're just trying to make money. And Paul says, I've been there, guys. I've been there. I can't even write. I can't even express the words to tell you. So I, I'm not writing you, church. With just the Edo, and I have it. I believe by faith what God says. I have the personal experience of being there. And I'm telling you, I know what awaits me. This is what motivates me. 
This is what helps me to carry on. This is why I don't throw in the towel and God throws it back at me and says, wipe the sweat and keep going. He says, guys, I'm telling you, it's real. It's true. We have a home waiting for us. We're going to be further clothed. When this life is over, we're going to be further clothed. We groan not that we are trying to move God's hand for our will to be done or trying to escape from life. Friends, we groan longing to be with the Lord. Again, as a pilgrim groans for his homeland. Not as a hobo who has no vision and no direction and no hope and hops on one train to another train. Goes on, just lives for this world. No, we have a purpose. We have a hope. We have a destination. We have a motivation. It's in our Lord. It's in heaven. And so with all of that, as Paul's just trying to explain this to us, or the Holy Spirit's trying to explain this to us this morning, of that hope, of that faith, of that knowledge that we need to embrace and say, I know, but you ain't been there yet. I know, I know, this is God's word. He spoke to me. I have a promise. I know. If that was not enough, now he speaks of a guarantee. Look there, verse 5. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who's also given us the Spirit. On the night that he was betrayed, remember, in the upper room, the night that he was betrayed, hours before the cross, Jesus, remember, spoke to the disciples, these apostles. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in. In my Father's house, which is heaven, there are many what? Mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you that. And I go to my father, I'm paraphrasing now because I forgot the rest of it, but anyway. But where I go, you'll come with me. Where I go. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus in that upper room spoke this to those, 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 those 11. One left, of course, to betray him, to fulfill the plan that was laid out. But he spoke this to them. I go and prepare a place for you. Then he went to the cross to prepare us for that place. Amen. Are you prepared? Are you prepared for that place? He prepared us for that place, for the place that he went to prepare for us. And that he did by giving his life, that we might have eternal life. The mansion not made with hands, speaking of these new bodies. Again, if that wasn't enough, God says, I also given us the Holy Spirit, who has also given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. The word guarantee means earnest. This earnest of the Spirit in our hearts is the witness of the Spirit that we are God's. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us at salvation. And it proves that we are God's. He tabernacles within us. He lives within us. He's our helper. He's the one who helps us now. 
He's our baptizer. He's the gift giver. He's the succor, the helper. He helps us. A pledge or a down payment is what that word earnest means. Arabon in the Greek. A sign or a promise of what is to come. In the modern Greek, it's a word used for engagement ring. He's given us an engagement ring. Why? Because there's a wedding yet to be fulfilled. The great wedding. Where our groom will be waiting for us. Man, are you, I think Billy Rutledge said this, are you secure enough to be a bride? Call yourself a bride, men? Are you brave enough to call yourself a bride? Because we are a bride. We're the bride. We're the church. And He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us this guarantee, this earnest, this down payment. It's a, it's a banking term. It's, it's uh, well, anybody use layaway? Anybody come from that, from that era? Layaway, Jack. You know, I always thought, I, I told my mom, you should really get involved with layaway moms. This way we don't have to wear, wear these funky jeans. We can wear Levi's and we can wear, you know, these nice shoes, you know, instead of wearing, you know. <laughs> but layaway, man, it's the greatest thing since sliced cheese. Right, 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 right. You're paying payments. <laughs> layaway. Well, it's almost like a layaway, but not like that. But anyway, <laughs> it's an engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is his promise. He's there in our heart for what is to come, eternal life with the Lord. As Paul states in Ephesians 1, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? He is the guarantee, guys, the guarantee. And then he says in verse 6 and 8, so we are always confident. Guys, that's faithfully bold. That's having a bold faith, knowing this is by faith. That's our Edo again from verse 1. That's the same word. Knowing by faith that while we are at home in the body. Now Paul is just kind of breaking it down to us, getting it down to what he just wrote. He says, okay, we know this. That's doctrine. We've got it down. So with this, that we understand this, that he's given us the Holy Spirit, that he's given us our, you know, encouraging in our faith, in our future, in our hope. He says, we are confident then. We should be confident because it's truth. It's bold confidence. Knowing by faith that while we are at home in the body, in the tent, in this skin suit, we are absent from the personal presence of our Lord. Now, he will never leave us nor forsake us. You know that. He's with us all the time. Where can I go? Where can I hide? You can't. But that personal presence, and I can just imagine when we first get a glimpse at our Lord. Just read what John wrote in Revelation. He was like a lamb slain. You know, you've heard that saying, the only man-made thing in heaven are the scars of our Lord's body. We're just going to be broken. We're going to be excited. We're going to be worshiping. But we're going to be broken before him. Because, And this is what Paul is just encouraging. He's just, look at guys, I know this. I, I know this. I've been there. 
I really can't explain it, but I know this. For we, and then he says this, guys, listen, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's pretty much sums up really everything that he's been trying to tell us. You see, guys, you, we, we, we walk by faith here on earth. And our reward is when we get to heaven, we walk by sight because we walk by faith. We walk by sight. He walks by sight today. She walks by sight today because she walked by faith here on earth. When she was absent from the body or, or she was present in the body, she walked by faith. But now, now she walks by sight the Bible tells us that faith is the evidence of things not seen. That's crazy, man. No, that's I-D-O, Edo. That's, we know. That's faith. That's faith, guys. It's believing God's word. Like my, my pastor, I sat under for five years at Costa Mesa. Pastor Chuck said this. Even though there may not exist any evidence of it at that moment... I have this promise of God, and that is sufficient. I can rest on that. I can rest on that. Pastor Chuck is walking by sight today because he walked by faith on this earth. Paul went on to say, more blessed, or Jesus actually said this. Remember the Timothy, more blessed are they who have not seen me, that is, in my resurrected body, as you have Thomas. Remember Thomas? And yet believe. More blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. And friends, this morning, we are those who have not seen. We are the, the more blessed. We, we, Jesus calls us the more blessed because by faith we believe. We believe. So we know today that as we live and breathe, this is, this is not it. If that's your philosophy today, you need to change it. This is not it. doesn't mean that we can't pursue degrees and we can't pursue education or uh, marriage or we can't pursue things that are available to us, the talents that God gives to us. And, and man, but, but, but go for it in the Lord. Go for it in the Lord. But this, 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 this is not, this is, this is not it. When believers die, the grave is not it. It's not the final destination. And with this understanding of these verses and others, we are confident in that. Because we know. Because we know. We are confident, Paul says, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body, that is, at death, and to be present in our spirit with the Lord. So when Christians die, they go straight to heaven because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment we take our last breath on earth, we take our first breath in heaven. Yes. Can I say that? Yes. It's in heaven that we await the great resurrection of all believers when we become further clothed, if I can say. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15 with me. This is my first closing. Oh, Tim does that too, huh? 1 Corinthians 15. This is just a reminder, guys. This is just something to con continue to build that faith, that ido, ido that, 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 that we know. 
the knowledgeable of faith, uh, knowledge of faith. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. You know this. Say amen if you're there. Amen. I always wanted to say that. I don't say that in my, yeah, I don't just, turn to your neighbor. No, just kidding. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That's, of course, death for the Christian. It's not soul sleep. Don't get it twisted. He just said to be absent from the body is to be what? Present, Present with the Lord. But here he says that we will, shall not all at this moment in this time in context sleep, but we shall be changed, metamorphosed, changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall we shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Yes, yes. Oh, death, where is your sting? Yes. Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, which Paul is trying to tell this church. The law only adds. It does nothing. It's the strength of that sin. Why are you bondage again? Why are you putting yourself back into legalism? But anyway, that's another Bible study. Let me keep going on. Forgive me, I'm preaching now. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? Our Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, I love brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the Lord, in the Lord, yes. in the Lord. And so that brings us to verse 9, and this is the balance, my second closing. With all that we know, he says, therefore. You know you've been taught well. When you see a therefore, you ask what? What is it therefore? <laughs> the application of the instruction that you just received. The application in a sense of what Paul has just taught us in these verses. Therefore, there is a therefore, there is a balance. Knowing this, knowing that this is not our home, knowing that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, knowing that it hasn't taken place, but I believe by faith because the Bible tells me so. So, Mark, what do we do? Well, we go out, we buy land, get a compound, buy a bunch of food, and just wait for the rapture to happen. Is that what we do? Is that what God has told us to do? No, we don't do that, guys. The balance is here. Therefore, make it our aim. That is to love what is honorable. Aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Well-pleasing. And that's done by keeping the main thing the main thing. And that is the praise and honor and worship of our Lord Jesus. Guys, he left us with a commission to go out into all the world make disciples, to go out, to share the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize them, to prepare them, to teach them. He's given us gifts, gifts to be used here upon this earth. I don't know why you're holding back on a gift that God has given to you. You're not going to use it in heaven. You're not going to need it in heaven. 
He gives it for us for the earth. He gives us so we can bless one another. He gives it to us so we can encourage one another and help one another. He doesn't say go out some mountain and wait. Wait till the rapture happens. He says you're the salt of the earth. Make people salty. Make people thirsty for the, the water of the spirit, the water of God's word. You're the light. Go into the darkness. Bring it into dark places. And sometimes they may even let you speak and share. But at least you have that light. It's not arrogance. It's hope. It's faith. It's, it's a heart for other people. He doesn't tell us to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. He says, be well pleasing to me. Focus. Our focus should be upward and our walk should be forward and preparing to meet the Lord, to continue in the great commission, being busy doing the Lord's work. And as we look upward and as we're walking forward, let's make a difference downward, amen, on this planet. We have the hope, guys. And if you didn't know it, you know it today. You know it today. We have a destination. We're going home. We're on our way. But until we're there, he wants us to be about his father's business. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to help us to that, to do that. Whatever gift you've been given, whatever vision God has given to you, whatever ministry or mission that he's been speaking to you about, then go fulfill it in the name of Jesus. Always knowing that one day, if we're, if we're blessed, that we'll hear that sound. And in an instant, we'll be changed. And it'll be a glorious family reunion with all our loved ones who've gone before us in Christ. That's something to look forward to, huh? That's exactly. I want to close with uh, another mentor of mine, Pastor Poncho Waters. Pastor Poncho says this. He says, well, as God gives me grace, I'll run this race until I see my Savior face to face. Guys, run to win with excellence and holiness. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and love you and praise you, God, this morning, Father. And again, the things we read, Lord, that's what counts. Your word, Lord God, not man's. Father, we just pray and we ask you, God, for those of us who are Losing hope. And it happens, God. We've all been there. We've just gotten our eyes off of you, Lord, and on earthly things and earthly matters. I just praise that today, Lord, that our compass will be reset, that we, our focus will be about you, God. Our, our life will be about you, Lord, and about, not about ourselves, Father. That our direction is heaven, Lord as we walk earthly, Lord, awaiting that day to be with you. And again, Father, if there's anyone here today who doesn't have that hope, doesn't know what, whether or what happened to them, Lord, if they did take their last breath here on earth, my prayer, God, Holy Spirit, that you would be nudging them. Because all a man can do is preach the gospel. All I can do is preach, God. All I can do is offer what you've given to me and what you've given to millions, Lord. And filling me with your Holy Spirit. 
Listen, if you're here today, all it is is a confession, a prayer away. You're just a prayer away from heaven. You're just a prayer away from salvation, a prayer away from having your sins forgiven, having mental hygiene, having your heart cleansed, and having in the beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and that's you, and you want me to pray with you, come into the kingdom of God. And right today is the day of salvation. And right in your chair, you can pray right there. You can make your chair a place where you call unto Christ. And you admit that you're a sinner. And yet you're in need of a Savior. You're drowning. And the world's lying to you. There's nothing to offer you. God has everything. And that's because of his son. He died on that cross. The greatest love that ever displayed was on that cross. And I'd like to say, and if that wasn't enough, excruciating pain that he took for us for our sins. He paid for our sins. He wasn't a sinner dying. But he went to that cross to pay for a, for a debt I could never pay. I could never pay. If that wasn't enough, they buried him. And on the third day, he rose again. He rose again to eternal life. And that's what he promises us. So if you're here today, just, just cry out to Christ. Just cry out, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness, God. I am a sinner, and I believe you died on that cross for me. You, you know the prayer. I believe there's some in here so stubborn <laughs> maybe because that was me you know the prayer you've heard it so many times today's the day for you to yield your heart to Christ and receive him as Savior cry out to him and if you have your name's written in the Lamb's book of life you can begin a new life with Jesus Christ amen Listen, if you prayed that prayer, you need to tell some of your elders. You need to tell somebody. We want to rejoice with you. I'm sure we have a Bible for you and other material that we can give to you. I'd like to know. I want to pray with you, pray with you and pray for you. So if that's anybody here, God bless you. Welcome to the family of God. Amen.